We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's going on packer fans welcome into an all-new episode of the pack a day podcast i'm your host andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl i'm once again joined by the great sam monson you can find him as pff's nfl lead analyst you can follow him on twitter at pff underscore sam he is of course the co-host of the pff nfl podcast which you can also find on twitter at pff nfl pod sam great to have you back how are you doing doing well doing well how about you i'm doing great one of these days one of these days maybe we will talk after a packers victory however this is not one of those days it was however uh an interesting week from an nfc north side of things in the uh trade deadline sphere uh, multiple trades within the NFC North. So I kind of wanted to kick things off there. Probably best place to start is with the Packers trading away Razul Douglas to the Buffalo Bills. They trade away a fifth round pick. They get a third round pick in return. Uh, what were your initial thoughts and gut reactions to the Packers Bills trade? Yeah. And it was a move that we talked about previously. Right. And, yeah. and I didn't love it from a Packers perspective. I think he was a player that, that was playing well for them and that, that it didn't do them an awful lot of good moving away from, I think it, probably signals you know the kind of season that they think they're having right and that it's just it's not worth keeping them around when they can improve their draft assets so from that, that perspective I guess you can understand it um, from a Buffalo perspective I love it I think it's a great move for them 
you know, Razul Douglas is not the best cornerback in the world, but he's aggressive. He will challenge the first read for uh, opposing quarterbacks. Often, you know, he might not be there for the second read, but that's fine, right? <laughs> they want a guy that's going to be aggressive in zone coverage, which is what they play most of the time. It also lets them take Kyrie Elam a step away from playing time, which appears to be their primary objective at the moment on uh, defense and coverage, which is wild for a, a first round pick. Um, but yeah, from their perspective, I think it makes perfect sense. And from the Packers perspective, I think it, it clearly speaks to what they think is happening this season and where they think they're going to be. I'm a hundred percent in lockstep with you because it's interesting. A couple of weeks ago, I brought it up as a potential trade for green Bay, but I said it would probably take losses to Denver and Minnesota to get to that point. And I said, even then it's a really difficult trade to make based on the way that he's playing and the leader that he is in the locker room. But I'm like, hey, if you just lost to the Raiders and the, the lions, and now you lose to yeah. Denver and Minnesota, that's a totally different team that you're dealing with at that point. And you probably have to start looking at some of those deals. Lo and behold, they lose both games and they take the third round pick and uh, send result to Buffalo. And I'm with you. I think it is a phenomenal move for Buffalo. Um, Elam's been out of the rotation and this should give them a real legitimate corner with the uh, unfortunate Tredavious white injury again this year. Yeah. And he's a, he's a better fit for that scheme than Elam is right. Rizul yeah. Douglas is strengths or zone coverage. That's what Buffalo likes to play. Even when Elam is in the lineup for them, he's playing a different defense to everybody else. Like Elam is playing press man coverage and the rest of the defense is playing zone. They basically carve out an individual role for Elam and say, this is all we trust you to do. Don't worry about the rest of the defense. Like other things will be happening around you. You just go play press man on your receiver. I want to take a quick spin around the rest of the NFC North because every team in the North ended up making a trade. I thought maybe the most interesting one was Montez Sweat to the Bears. There's a lot, of course, anytime it feels like the Bears do anything, there's a lot of discourse surrounding it. Uh, it's an interesting move because it's not exactly like they're in win now mode. Of course, I think their thought process is that Montez Sweat's going to be around a while. I don't think they have any um, right. thoughts of losing him this offseason after giving up a second round pick for him, which will border on a first round pick. Uh, but your thoughts on Chicago being a little bit aggressive, maybe slash over aggressive, going to getting a really nice pass rusher, but giving up a second round pick and probably what's going to have to be a huge salary to keep him on the, the roster moving forward. Yeah, I like it as long as they can extend him. I mean, that is a pretty significant caveat in all this. If they don't manage to get him locked up long term or if the leverage he has is so big that they have to give him like an absolutely monstrous contract to keep him around long term, then it's it's overpaying. Then it's a rough deal. But if they're getting a guy for a second round pick, even a high one who is a is as good as Montez Sweat is, has been durable, has been versatile, plays the run and the pass very well, um, and they're able to tie him down to a long-term deal below market value before he hits free agency. Like at that point, I think that's a good allocation of a second round draft pick, right? Sure. The second round draft pick can become a very good player, but he can also be if you if you spend a second round draft pick on a defensive lineman, right, the chances of that guy being better than Montez Sweat are minimal. I mean the best pass rusher in next year's draft might not be as good as Montez Sweat. So sure. at some point, if you're the Bears and you, you're trying to build this thing, particularly on defense, you just need some players that are good, right? And they've taken a couple of swings at drafting defensive linemen. So far, they've gotten nothing from it. They don't have any viable starting caliber defensive linemen or didn't before Montez Sweat arrived. So a second round pick to bring one in, one out of four, you know, if you're going to stick with a starting four, 
one out of seven if you want to get crazy like the Eagles and go really deep into that rotation. But yeah. like at the moment, they have zero. Zero out of four or seven. Now they've got one. And okay, it costs them a second-round draft pick and the contract you're going to have to give up. But like you need those players at some point, right? And you can't, I don't think, just rely on drafting them because the strike rate is too low. I think it's a fair point. I do think they were desperately in need of some pass rush presence up front. Probably the biggest thing lacking on a team of a team that definitely still has some things that are, are more than lacking. But um, the, the biggest thing that you brought up is always the big fear that I have with any team making a trade like this is just how much leverage do the agent and the player have over the franchise that just gave up a top tier second round pick for that player and really would have a ton of egg on their face. If he just walked out, out the door um, and went to another team in the off season, I, I think the, the next contract is going to be the big piece of this. And I think obviously in an ideal world, you have that contract figured out. I know these deadlines don't make it always that you can pull that off, but um, ideally you get that contract a little bit figured out before making that trade. But that that's yeah. going to be the huge part of whether this makes it a win or a loss for Chicago is what that next contract ultimately looks like. You tend to assume, though, you know, you couldn't be sure in today's NFL that that was part of the discussion, right? As they at least sounded out his representatives were like, hey, what does a contract look like from your point of view? You know, where are we? How far apart are we? And they looked at that and they said, OK, that's doable, right? We're not we're not right together at the moment, but we're close enough that we're pretty sure we can get a deal done. It's not going to be a giant hurdle. Like if they didn't have that conversation and now he's like, actually, <laughs> the deal's going to need to break the bank. I'm going to need to be the best paid, you know, the defensive lineman in the game. I mean, that's crazy. But you would assume that they've at least gone to that part of it and thought, yeah, this is this shouldn't be a problem. I also think, by the way, the contract that Rashawn Gary signed is actually a pretty helpful thing for them because it's a big new recent deal, but it's not like market breaking. Right. And it's actually kind of a steal for green bay's point of view so if they're sensible they're gonna like say hey let's use this this is our framework yeah. right Let, let's use this deal this is gary he's one of the best pass rushers in the nfl from a team's perspective knowing that actually that's kind of a cheap deal and a pretty good one if they get him signed to that and from montez sweat's point of view he gets to sort of say hey i've got the same kind of contract as Rashawn Gary is one of the best players in the NFL. Like it's win-win for everybody. So in a way that might, that deal might actually help them be able to set a framework for this and get it done quickly. Well, let's transition to that and then come back to uh, just a couple of the other small trades that happened in the NFC North. Obviously that was the other big news for green Bay this week. Razul gets traded away, but Rashawn Gary gets the, the big long-term contract pays them right up until right as of right now. And obviously a lot of these times, these contracts don't get seen through to completion, but right now it would bring them right up to age 30 in the December uh, you know, of that final year, he would turn 30 years old, doesn't hit the $30 million mark in any of the years on the contract. It seems extremely reasonable in every year based on the player that he is. We talked about it. Uh, I just think at the last week, maybe even the week before that, this is a phenomenal player that didn't end up getting top, top tier market value. I think it ends up as like the fifth best edge rusher deal. I, I just think there's a, a really solid deal for both sides, but I kind of lean towards liking it a little bit more for Green Bay in this one. Yeah, definitely. I think this is a better deal for Green Bay than it is for Gary. From his perspective, obviously, you get the money now, you get you know, all those kinds of things, but he is signed for below market value for a guy as good as he is which is how those deals tend to go when you sign, you know, before you hit free agency, when you re-up with the team um, before you have to. So, yeah, I, I think the Packers got a steal getting him signed to that kind of contract extension, but you're still paying huge money 
for a guy who's shown that he can be one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. So it's a win for everybody, but definitely a better deal from the Packers than from Gary's perspective. I'm hoping that maybe you can speak to this a little bit. Uh, I've seen some of the comments, uh, both on the videos as well as on social media of, well, if you look at Rashawn Gary's sack numbers, they're not that impressive. I think he's still in the twenties or at least around there for, for career sacks. And you look at some of the guys in the top four of that list and it's just leaps and bounds above Rashawn Gary we know that sacks are not a perfect indicator of the impact that a, uh, a player is having on the field. What I'll just add in before I'll even let you kind of get to this po- this conversation is we, this is a, a fan base that is constantly criticizing Joe Barry and the defense for playing a lot of off coverage. Well, it's going to be tougher to get sacks and have these long developing plays when you're consistently playing off coverage and allowing a lot of easy checkdowns and a lot of easy completions underneath. But um, I'll let you speak to maybe the lack of sacks, but still the high end pressure percentage for Rashawn. Yeah, I mean, sacks are not not only are they not the best way of measuring pass rushes, oftentimes they're not even a good way. Um, And for example, I saw I think Chris Sims this week was saying. Nick Bosa is not playing well this year, right? Or, or he's playing okay, but not great, right? Because he has four sacks or something like that. Nick Bosa is playing as well as any edge rusher in the NFL. In fact, he might be playing better than he was a year ago when he won Defensive Player of the Year, right? Based yep. off the production. So like, the, the sacks have just disappeared. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that Nick Bosa is playing any worse or, in fact, to say that they won't come back over the second half of the season. It's just... People, I think, underestimate what volume of sacks are kind of luck driven, right? Whether yeah. it's it's the type of offense you're facing, like what opportunities you're going to get. People assume that the more passing reps you're facing, the more chance you have of getting sacks. Well, not if they're all quick game, three step drops, uh, you know, wild play action type things. Like there's a lot of ways that offenses have come up with to make it harder for you to get a sack even though it's technically a passing play. It's not like it was back in the 90s when every passing play was like a seven-step drop <laughs> and you know you had all day to rush the passer. It's a different yep. world. So just because you're seeing more of those plays doesn't mean you should get them. But then there's also you know cleanup plays. There's how bad is the quarterback you're facing? Is he just going to hold on to the ball forever? Mm-hmm. Like if you face Sam Howell 17 times in a season, you were, you're going to end up with like double the sack record because that guy is just a sack magnet, right? Yep. Alternatively, if you face Patrick Mahomes 17 times, you're b- barely going to get a sack because that guy's like a savant of not taking sacks. So the whole thing is massively like luck impacted. And sometimes you're going to get sacks, sometimes you're not. The important thing is just the single repeatable skill of are you beating your blocker and how often is that happening, right? That's all you can really control as a pass rusher. The other stuff comes and goes and or it's somebody else's fault, right? So if you're evaluating, do we have a high-end pass rusher here? That's the metric is really it's pass rush win rate and combine that with a PFF grade because that's going to give you an indication of like how significant the win is, how impactful, how decisive, not just how often are you winning, but how quickly are you winning? And how badly are you beating that guy? So those two things together are basically telling you how often a guy wins and how decisively is he winning. And that is the most predictive thing you can come up with. Literally, it's it's statistically proven that that will predict future performance way better than anything else you look at and certainly way better than sacks. So Rashawn Gary this year, I think his second now in pass rush win rate. He's right up there with Miles Garrett. Um, his PFF pass rushing grade is elite. He is rushing the passer at an extremely high level and has done 
really since he broke out in, in the NFL, he's been playing at that level, you know, for a while now outside of the injury. And if that's the guy you have going forward, then eventually the sacks will come because there's no, there's no evidence that he's one of those guys. And there are a couple of them in fairness who don't finish well, like Brandon yep. Graham was always one of those guys, right? For whatever reason, Brandon Graham has never really finished well as a, as a sack artist, but most of the time, I think that that is kind of a myth and it's it's more luck driven, like the single biggest differentiator between pressure rate or pass rush win rate and sack rate is luck. There are guys that on both sides of that, actually, there are guys like Brandon Graham that always struggle to finish. And there are guys like Chandler Jones that always finish better than other people. But I don't think there's many of them in the end. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Does anyone else struggle with the seasonal blues? I know for me personally, it's not so much the hustle and bustle or anxiety of the season. It's more of memories of holidays past. Thinking back to times when my kids were younger, when different family members were still around, it can all make me extremely nostalgic for holidays that have come and gone. Now everyone's a little bit different and for a multitude of reasons, this time of season can be a lot. And if that's you too, don't fret. It's natural to feel sadness, anxiety, or stress during the holiday season. I think something that we can easily forget is that therapy can be a bright spot amidst all the stress and chaos. It can be something to look forward to, it can make you feel grounded, and it can give you the tools that you need to manage everything that's going on in your life. I've personally benefited from therapy in the past. I'm sure I'm going to benefit from therapy again in the future. I've learned to take a deep breath and enjoy the moments that are happening in the here and the now, and I try to slow down in those crazy busy moments that are sure to exist this holiday season. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, extremely convenient, and can be suited to your unique schedule. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash packaday to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash packaday. Cue the dramatic music. We have a public service announcement. It's not a bird, it's not a plane, it's the most revolutionary ball trimmer the world has ever seen. Gentlemen, our friends over at Manscaped have been working night and day to bring you a below-the-waist grooming experience like none other with their brand new performance package 5.0 Ultra. Featuring the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, we're talking about a next-generation trimmer with interchangeable blade heads for whatever shave your mind can imagine. Upgrade your grooming game to the Ultrasphere this year by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with code PACKADAY. High-tech for low places, Manscaped. Personally, Manscaped is my go-to for all of my grooming needs. Manscaped has some crazy technology that helps prevent nicks, cuts, snags, and tugs in all those ultra-sensitive places. I also personally recommend the Crop Soother Aftershave Lotion that just makes the entire experience so much better. In an area that you have to have trust, I trust Manscaped, and you should too. Right now, you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PACKADAY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with code PACKADAY at manscaped.com. I can promise you've never seen a ball trimmer look like a spaceship, so get yours today from our folks over at Manscaped. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? 
Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making Prize Picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Well said, and I totally agree. And I think the other thing that goes against Rashawn Gary, especially this year too, when it comes to just pure sacks, they're not winning any game. They're not in the lead in any games. There's not right. any situations where the other team is in the fourth quarter and having to go pass, 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 pass. And those guys can just tee off and go after the quarterback. And they have to do some more long developing plays when those things are a little bit more apt to happen. Rashawn Gary's playing from behind in those fourth quarters are just going up against the run. It's, it's, it's not, uh, it's not a great brand of football in green Bay right now and conducive for a lot of positive things in green Bay. All right, let's go to let's go through a couple of those uh, other trades really quick. Just any uh, overarching thoughts. The interesting one to me was jo- Josh Dobbs to Minnesota, although I think Ezra Cleveland to Jacksonville was a little interesting as well. Detroit gets Donovan Peoples-Jones. Just a- any gut reaction you have to any of those deals? Yeah, the the Donovan Peoples-Jones, it's hard not to look at that as an indictment of Jamison Williams so far. Um you know, but he's had some struggles dropping the football. He just hasn't been a part of that offense in a huge way. Obviously, he had the suspension as well. I mean, I, I don't think you make a move for a Donovan Peoples-Jones if you have 100% confidence in what Jamison Williams is bringing to the table for that offense yet, which is pretty disappointing for a first-round pick and a guy that they would have had huge expectations for um, certainly this year and going forward. So it doesn't write off his NFL career or anything, but it's definitely not a good thing for him. Um, Josh Dobbs to the Vikings, you know, Kirk Cousins goes down, torn Achilles, disaster for that team. And this is probably about as good as you could do at the midpoint season in terms of it's an indication that they think the season isn't dead yet, albeit it's going to be a struggle. Um, so Dobbs, he's been playing, he's not been playing well, but he's been playing reasonably right in a bad team and he's had them competitive every single game. They may have lost. It may have gotten away from them late. But in pretty much every game, they've been down early and been able to fight back and make it close, make it tough for opposing teams to put them away. And then maybe they've fallen away at the end. But, you know, if he can put a similar kind of performance in a Vikings offense with a team that's better around him, you know, with their schedule over the next five, six games, they could still be in this. We know Jaron Hall is starting this week. Is there any world in which you think Jaron Hall can remain the starter? Is that just going to be Dobbs once he's up and ready and knows the offense a little bit better? I mean, I know they've said that he'll be starting this week. I wouldn't write off the idea that Josh Dobbs comes in, learns a playbook within a week and jumps Jaron Hall. I mean, we saw him do that last season with Tennessee. You know, he's, you're going to hear a lot this week that he's a literal rocket scientist, right? He's his degree is in whatever it is, aeronautical engineering or whatever. Like he's a smart guy that's shown that he can learn a playbook quickly. Um, And there's very little reason to be confident in Jaron Hall as your starter. Right. So yeah, Dobbs gives them any indication that he's capable of learning this thing and, and running a game plan within the week. 
I wouldn't be shocked if they start him this week. And and if Hall wants to keep on to that job, I think the only way of that happening is him having like an insane game in the one start that they're planning on giving him. And then at which point, like, there's no point taking him out, right? Josh (laughs) Dobbs might be a better player overall, but he's not going to, he's not a reason to stop looking at a rookie that just showed you something completely different and better than you thought you were going to get out of them. Yeah, well said. Even if Dobbs doesn't start uh, start this week, wouldn't surprise me if they sprinkled them in in a couple different plays here and there just to give a different look. Uh, but that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Like you said, devastating for Minnesota, the Kirk Cousins injury, and really should just set up Detroit the rest of the season to potentially run away with the division um, outside of the Cousins injury. And uh, we'll obviously talk about some of the other uh, you know individual players in this game. But other key takeaways from Packers-Vikings from this past week? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it kind of went the way we were talking about, right? Which is the Vikings, despite not having Justin Jefferson, um, they end up fairly comfortably handling Green Bay. And it was the same story for the Packers as it's been for however many weeks we've been talking about this. Too many mistakes, not able to overcome them, and the Vikings didn't have those. The the kind of the, the joke amongst, I think, everyone that's, you know, consistently talking about the Packers right now, if it's like, there's not much new to talk about. It's the same thing that's been yeah. ailing them for the past four or five weeks is the same thing that's been ailing them now. And that's, I think, one of the more frustrating things is that there hasn't been that sign of progress. And just an interesting play that I wanted to ask you about and how you guys graded it, because I think it's been a little bit of a topic of conversation in Green Bay. So you've got the Jordan Love throw to Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed goes up, has the ball in his hands. The defender rips it away. And then Josh Metellus, I think, rips it away, ends mm-hmm. up being an interception. Just kind of curious how you guys evaluate that play. Probably not the, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested in how you evaluated Jordan, how you evaluated uh, Jaden Reed. Obviously, great play by Josh Martellus. Yeah. So, you know, each play by us is not necessarily a zero sum outcome the entire time, right? Like there can be pl- multiple guys do things well, multiple guys do things badly. It can, there's a mix sometimes. And this is an interesting example where the pass is not perfect, um, but it's not bad, right? So, Jordan Love ends up with a, a zero grade for us, which is expected. It's middle of the road. It's neither good nor bad. It's it's catchable. It's not in an ideal situation, but it shouldn't be picked off, right? So he gets a zero on the play, just a, an average expected grade. Um, Reed gets downgraded for, not for dropping it, but for, you know, once it's in your hands, you shouldn't lose the ball, right, effectively. You certainly shouldn't allow it just be taken away from you by a defensive back. So it's not it's not a catastrophic grade for him, but it's, it's a negative. It's a downgrade. It's a zero point minus 0.5 for us. And then Metellus is the guy that gets an incredible grade. Cause he literally goes up there and just takes the ball away from a receiver. He single-handedly manufactures a turnover that shouldn't be there. So he gets, I assume it's a plus 1.5. I haven't actually checked what his grade was for it, but he'll get, you know, an exceptional grade from his part, a slight downgrade for Reed and then essentially a zero or a, a nothing for um, Jordan Love. I wish I had my notebook next to me because I think we had almost the exact same grades on Jaden Reed and J- Jordan Love on that play. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I was in the exact same boat. I didn't think it was, especially if you look at it from the end zone view, I didn't think it was a, a perfect throw from Jordan. I thought there was probably a better placement, even just kind of the way the ball comes out of his hand um, just doesn't, doesn't look like it was maybe what he perfectly wanted. Um, but then, you know, it still gets to Jaden Reed and an opportunity yeah. for him to go up and make a play. Something he did consistently in college was make those contested plays, which was always something that was such a positive, especially given his size. It's like he just had that mentality to go get the ball. In this case, it's the exact opposite. Not only does he not go get the ball, 
uh, he has it ripped away from him by by Metellus on the play. So I'm with you. I obviously didn't grade anyone from Minnesota on this one, but an awesome play by Metellus, but disappointing from from Jaden Reed. Not that at least it, at least not incomplete, if if nothing else. Yeah, I mean the anchor on these things for PFF grading is always what what is the expected outcome for this play, right? The expected outcome for the throw that 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 um, that Jordan Love has is it's sort of borderline catch, no catch, right? It could be incomplete. It could be caught either like it's, it's either caught in spite of his throw or it's incomplete, even though he got it there. You know what I mean? So it's right on that borderline of it's not, it's not good or bad from him. Uh, the expected play from Reed is probably to catch it, at which point not catching it is, is bad. It, it's a, it's a swing in the wrong direction. And then it, it, the expected play from Metellus is either giving up a catch or at the very minimum, um, you know, struggle to try and make it incomplete. So to go a step beyond that and actually end up creating a turnover out of it is is truly above and beyond expectations. Totally agreed. All right, a couple quick player questions before we get you out of here. Uh, first one I wanted to talk about was Elton Jenkins. Much, much better day from Elton this week. Uh, 76.5 grade from you guys, 90.5 uh, pass blocking grade. Uh, this is more of the Elton Jenkins we've been accustomed to seeing in the past and I think his best day of the season so far. Yeah, definitely. He looked good. Um, pass protection was almost flawless. Like he was pretty good in the run game. He didn't look like he looked the last time we talked about this, where it, yeah. it almost looked like he was carrying an injury the way he was moving. It just didn't look like the same guy. Um, no, this was much more like the Elton Jenkins we've come to expect from him. And something Green Bay desperately needs just with the state of their offensive line. They need their good players, the Zach Toms, the Elton Jenkins to go out and perform because um, although we did get from Brian Gutekinds to followed up Adam Stenovich's comments that Josh Myers is playing the best football of his career. Do you, do you agree, Sam Monson? Is, is Josh Myers playing the best football of his career as Brian Gutekinds and Adam Stenovich have both said in the past week? Uh, I mean, possibly, but it's not a tremendously high bar to be clearing. You know, <laughs> it might be the best football he's played. It doesn't mean it's tremendously good football. I mean, these are two different questions. It very, very much is. All right, let's go to Devontae Wyatt. 89.6 grade from you guys this week, 72.1 on the season. I don't think it, I would, anyone's probably arguing that he's maybe still living up to the, the first round expectations from a season ago, but I just, I don't think he's necessarily getting the credit that he's deserved for taking a step from where he was last year either. I just feel like he's playing a much better brand of football. And this week was a great example of that. Yeah, no, he definitely is. Last season, it's funny. He was he was in a difficult spot last year because he wasn't playing much at all, but he was playing enough that you would have expected to see the occasional flash of what we know he can do, right? Based yep. off his college tape and based off this season's tape. Um, and it, it never really happened. So that's always a little bit concerning when you're looking at a guy and you just don't see anything really happening. And then this year with more playing time, we've definitely seen more of that Georgia version of Devontae Wyatt. And this was a great game. Like, obviously, he got some pressure but watch his run plays were arguably more impressive. I mean, he beat both guards multiple times decisively quickly. He had one play where he just completely um, jumped inside Garrett Bradbury, who was coming out to try and block him. He was in the backfield behind the line of scrimmage three or four times in the game, just destroying run plays by himself. One of them was a total breakdown of blocking the, the guard and the center led him through into the backfield. So that looked better than it was, but there were two or three where he completely destroyed his guy and got right into the backfield, even if he didn't necessarily make the tackle himself. Um, this was as good, I think, as Devontae White has looked in the NFL. 
Yeah, and hopefully that's a, a trend and something that can continue to go that way because Green Bay desperately needs some of their high-end players to play at this type of level going forward. Speaking in that same sort of realm of a, a high-end player that needs to play like a high-end player, uh, Jair Alexander hasn't quite been the same this season. 60.8 grade from you guys so far this year. I know he's had the back injury. This was his first game coming back from that back injury. Tough day against Jordan Addison, but uh, your thoughts on just the way in general that Jair has played so far this year? Yeah, I think corner is tough because I think you are just at the mercy so much of uh, opposing offenses, right? And whether the quarterback and the receiver actually punishes you from for being half a yard off. And sometimes that's going to go your way and sometimes it's not. And I think a lot of cornerback play ends up being, again, not, I don't want to say it's luck driven, but it's not necessarily in your control. So even if you just watch, uh, Alexander's targets. So one thing that was weird in this game is he fell over multiple times, right? Just slipped on the turf. That that yep. didn't help. Um, but generally speaking, he wasn't in bad coverage for most of this stuff. He was pretty tight. He was challenging the play. He was, you know, all over receivers. And then sometimes the ball gets in anyway. Um, one of the plays, obviously, that he got done on, which is, I'm sure highlighted everywhere, is Jordan Addison touchdown out of the backfield. Oh. He's not in terrible coverage there. He's like a what, like a yard out of phase. Yep. Cousins puts that perfectly on Addison. Like Addison does not break stride and and he hits him in the hands with full extension. The ball could not have been placed any better. So, and and I suspect the fact that Addison came out of the backfield on that play played into what happened with with Alexander's initial coverage. Right. Is there's probably a slight hesitation trying to figure out what he's doing. Maybe he even anticipates him running a sort of running back route, you know, an out or an in-breaking thing. And by the time he realizes that actually he's just coming right up the seam, he's a half yard behind and never quite gets it back. And maybe he would have got it back if the ball had been slightly off target, but Cousins literally placed it perfectly and it's a touchdown. Um, you know, there was a couple of the, the catches that he gave up were the ones where he slipped over. But other than that, I thought he looked fine. You know, I didn't didn't look at a guy and say, well, this just doesn't look like the same player again. He Agreed. looked like Jair Alexander, and sometimes he was just beaten. Yeah, I'm totally with you. It didn't look like the back injury was it was playing too much of an issue. The, the play out of the backfield with Addison is tough because as a corner, like it's basically what three different – he can go left, he can go right, or he can go right, right past you. I think he's expecting maybe him to go one way or the other. And like you said, just – a half second here or there can make the total difference, especially when you get a perfect ball from Kirk Cousins. Also, by the, Jordan Addison, pretty freaking good, by the way, too. Like yeah. that, that can play a factor in it, also. But yeah, I hopefully mean, uh, he can just kind of whether it's just kind of regaining a little bit of the form or just kind of maybe lucking into some less, uh, you know, caught plays when he's still in decent coverage. Maybe a less perfect throw here or there. Um, I think Green Bay, especially now with Razul Douglas being gone, is going to need Jair to play at a very high level and. I think he's still very, very capable of playing at that level moving forward. Sam, any final thoughts uh, or anything that you want to plug on your way out today? Nope, just the usual PFF NFL podcast, uh, either on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, make sure to go give it a follow again. You can follow him on social media at PFF underscore Sam. You can follow the pod at PFF NFL pod. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. For Sam Monson, I'm Andy Herman. Thanks for joining us. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. Go.